Morning. So I was thinking, uh, we've been talking, and as you know, in John 10.10, Jesus said that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And I've kind of been looking around and seeing things that the enemy steals, kills, and destroys. And I think I stumbled upon one this week. Things that the enemy takes from us. Um, In Matthew 13, are we ready for that yet? Alright, so in a minute in Matthew 13, we're going to read a parable, see a story that Jesus told about the kingdom. We're there now? Alright. Matthew 13, 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Jesus uses some of the strangest stories to teach us things, doesn't he? Isn't this just a weird story? So this guy was out digging around in somebody else's field, and he found a hidden treasure. So think mason jar full of money. Like, I don't trust the bank, so I keep my cash in a jar out in my field. And somebody came along and found this treasure in the field. Now, I'm making up a story, but go with me here. Let's say my great-grandpa didn't like the bank, and he took this, all this money he had, and he hid it out in his field. He knew it was there, but then he dies. And then his son, who still has the field, he doesn't know the treasure's there. And then the next son, he doesn't know the treasure's there. You get the idea? So there's a, there's a treasure out in the field that the owner of the field doesn't know is there. And let's say that you just happen to be walking along digging through somebody's field. And you find this treasure there. And no one knows it's there. One scenario would be that you put the treasure you found in your backpack with your shovel and just go on home. No one's the wiser. And you have the treasure. That's not what this man did. He put the treasure back in the ground. And then he went and sold all that he had and bought the field. To get the treasure. Now, parables are funny things. There is a point to a parable, and then there's all the other things of the parable that are not points. The point of this is the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. Okay? This isn't the how to get how to get rich parable or what to do when you find a treasure. This is the story that the the kingdom is like a great treasure. Now this man, when he found this treasure, he went and sold everything that he had to get this treasure. Now this is where we're going to get into what's been stolen from us. I have heard often that the kingdom of heaven is like delayed annuity 
investment. And that if I will pay every month into my investment, when I am old, I will reap great reward. Have you heard that? You know, I'm going to sacrifice now. I'm going to quit having fun while I'm on earth so that I can be good. So that someday when I die or when Jesus comes back, then I will have great reward. Yes, I'm going to suffer now and and give up joy, the pleasure of sin. I'm going to give that up now so that then I can have great joy. See, that's the parable we know. The parable of life sucks, then you die and get to go to heaven. That's the parable we know. That's not this parable, is it? This parable is completely different than that. This parable says, this guy found this treasure. And it was so valuable to him that he sold everything he had so that he could get this field. And I want to... So I've got this $100 bill in my billfold, and the first one that gives me $20 for it can have it. Is anybody willing to sacrifice their $20 to get the 100 That's no sacrifice, is it? So, if I had that $100 bill, which it's not there, I don't know what happened to it. <laughs> and you were able to trade it for me with with $20 you would be in great joy, right? <laughs> you won't believe what happened. I went to church the other day, and I gave this idiot 20 bucks, and he gave me $100 back. Isn't that crazy? You would tell that story, wouldn't you? And wouldn't it, wouldn't it be something that would make you happy? I, I think it would make me happy to know that I gave somebody 20 bucks and got 100 bucks. That's what this man did. He did not sell all that he had so that he could get less than what he started with. That would not make you happy, would it? Let's see, I've got this same $100 bill, so if somebody will give me $500, I'll give you the $100. That would be a sacrifice. And not a good trade. And you probably wouldn't go around bragging about that. (laughs) You won't believe what happened. This guy took $500 from me and gave me $100 back. What a great day. Do you see what the enemy has stolen from us? What the enemy has done is convinced us that the kingdom of heaven is not of great value. Now, oh, maybe someday the kingdom of heaven will be a good deal. But not now. Not now. You're going to pay a price now to be part of the kingdom of heaven. And you won't enjoy it. That's what the enemy teaches us about the kingdom of heaven. You see, this man, in his joy, went and sold all he had and bought that field because this man did an evaluation of what he had. And let's say it was worth 20 bucks. And he did an evaluation of the field with his hidden treasure and said, you know, I think that's worth 100. I will gladly give up my 20 bucks to get the 100 bucks. That's the story we live in. It's not the story that most of us carry around in our head or that we tell. But that's the story we live in. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. It's a great thing. Um, 
So, you know how I do. When I'm preparing a sermon, I get on the Google and find out what all the other preachers are saying about a verse. And by the way, what I typically try to do is when all the other preachers are saying something about a verse, I try to find something just the opposite to say. It's just good practice. Just telling you. There's a lot of uh, nonsense, especially on the Google. Um, Every sermon I found written about this verse talked about the sacrifice that you must make to get this field. That was the emphasis. The sacrifice that you must make to get this great treasure. See, he sold all he had. And and I laugh at that because I don't think it's a sacrifice at all. I think it's like you got over on somebody, right? You gave them 20 bucks and got the 100 bucks. That's not a sacrifice. That's ridiculous. But, but we somehow, I feel like we need that board, you know, that we can walk around singing a church song and then smack ourselves in the forehead just to remind us how much this is supposed to, how bad this is supposed to be. Life is bad now. We can't have fun now. Stop it. No smiling, no joy, no forgiveness. We are paying a price right now so we can get the kingdom. That's just not true. That's just not true. This parable breaks down like all parables break down. Because in this parable, I had to sell something to get the kingdom. Right? What did you sell? What did you pay to get the kingdom? Well... Nothing. You did not make a sacrifice to gain the kingdom. Jesus made the sacrifice to give you the kingdom. You see, this gift of the kingdom was free to you. Not free to Jesus. He paid a great price. But it's free to you. The gift of the kingdom has been given to you. You can't buy it. You can't earn it. You can't achieve it. You don't get to save up coupons and then earn it. Or loyalty dollars. I'm old. We used to do green stamps to get rewards. Now we have loyalty cards to get rewards. They both work about the same. There's no reward. Um, We don't buy it. We don't earn it. We don't bargain for it. We don't negotiate for it. We don't slip up somehow and take it away from somebody. The kingdom is the free gift of God. That is like a hidden treasure in a field. That is with great joy that we acquire the kingdom of heaven. Um, Satan has stolen that from us and convinced us that the kingdom is not a great treasure. Oh, it's a good thing. And you'll want that in your retirement account. But it's not worth more than what you have now. It's not worth giving up something to get. So, the Apostle Paul talked about the same thing he didn't use a parable he he talked about himself in philippians 3 verse 7 but whatever were gains to me i now consider loss for the sake of christ what is more i consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing christ jesus my lord for whose sake i have lost all things now you, you know this guy the apostle paul he used to be known as saul And he was a member of the up-and-coming Hebrew religious group. 
He was a young man reaching for the stars and getting there quickly. He was the one that they chose to go out and persecute and arrest and even kill Christians. And he was doing a bang-up job of it. And, and then he met Jesus. And he said, whatever were gains to me, I now consider lost for the sake of Christ. As he was moving up in the religious ranks, becoming somebody of social importance, of religious importance, of financial importance, he was moving on up. And whatever that was, it's now lost for the sake of Christ. I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Paul is saying, whatever I had going on and all that stuff that was coming, when I look at that now, there's no shine to that. There's no gloss. There's nothing in that that looks good to me anymore. It just looks like loss. Striving, working, attaining, and then what? Dying and leaving it all behind. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things. So, you know, I see life through movies. I don't know, maybe you do that. But this, this brings to mind Steve Martin, the jerk. When he's leaving his office, you remember, and he says, and all I need is this stapler, and that's all I need. And this chair, and this pencil, and, and his, before he leaves, his arms are full of things that this is all he needs, is this stuff. That's what I see most of us live like. I don't need anything except this, and 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 that's all I need. And, and this, and oh, that too, bring that. And our arms are full of stuff that we, this is all I need. And do you know, you really can't add Jesus to that mix. You have to start laying things down to grab hold of Jesus. I can't grab hold of Jesus with my arms full of other stuff I kind of have to let that stuff go so that my hands are empty so that I can grab onto Jesus and all the stuff that I'm giving up to get what Jesus is is a good trade it's a good trade the stuff in my hands is nothing more than stress and worry it owns me. It makes me its slave. It drags me around and tosses me here and there. It's not a good master. And it's definitely not a loving master. But Jesus is. I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus. I'm amazed how these words jump off the page at me lately. The emphasis the Bible places on us knowing Jesus. Who knew that the one thing we needed was to know someone? It really is who you know that matters. The surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. 
So Paul is saying he was like a man who found a hidden treasure in a field. And he went and sold everything he had. And then in his joy, he chose Jesus. See, we lose things all the time. And most of us have this kind of a response when we lose something. Oh no. Look what happened. It's gone. I've lost it. Oh no. That's not the response Paul had when he lost these things. He's more like, look, I've been set free of that. It's finally off of my fingers. I'm free of it. For whose sake he's lost all things. Enjoy. He, he goes on in, in the rest of verse 8. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. At our house tomorrow, you know, tomorrow is one of my favorite days of the week. It's trash day. The reason it's one of my favorite days of the week is we keep the trash cans in our garage. And my office is upstairs over the garage. And do you know that along about Friday or Saturday, that nasty smell that's in the garage comes up and joins me in the office? And I am always very happy to set the trash out. So the trash man can come and take away my garbage. I have never once cried about what I lost on trash day. It's garbage, right? It's stuff we want to get rid of. Isn't this funny the way our enemy messes with us to convince us that my garbage, that styrofoam meat tray that you get from the uh, grocery store you know that that thing that soaks up the blood and then that's what smells in our trash is that thing can you imagine treasuring that walking around with that showing that off Ooh, look what I have a rotted meat tray isn't this special see that's what our enemy does to us we're carrying around death and destruction and bragging about how much we love it. Paul says he considers it garbage. It was garbage. That he may gain Christ and be found in him. To compare the best thing you have with Christ is to say, the best thing I have outside of Christ is just trash. It's trash. The problem is, because of the lies and deception of our enemy, somehow our internal valuation has got jacked up where we think this piece of garbage is treasure. And we think that knowing Jesus is a nice to have. It'd be nice to have that. I need this. So, when you buy a house or sell a house, there's this person that comes around and gets involved in your business. 
He's called the appraiser. And, and they, the appraiser, is a disinterested party hired by the bank to come and tell you how much your property is worth so the bank can determine how much to loan you. <laughs> now, I don't want to pop anybody's bubble and if you're an appraiser, I'm sorry. The appraiser typically works and has an agreement with the bank to tell the bank how much your property is worth. You think that goes well mostly? See, I don't either. I think it's a rigged game. Now, this is not a sermon or a series about real estate properties and valuation. That same game is going on in your life with the things that you treasure. The appraiser of those things has been pulling the wool over your eyes, convincing you that the rotted meat tray is really life and really good thing to have. And that Jesus is just, well, that would be great. That would be nice. Out of my, out of my price range, I could never afford that. Our appraisal system is jacked up because our enemy has pulled the wool over our eyes and convinced us that things are true that are not true and convinced us that things that are true are not true. Paul opens this up and says a little bit here, I consider everything I had garbage so that I can gain Christ and be found in him. To be found in Jesus. What a wonderful place to be in Jesus. Uh, the swimming pool. You know, in, in July when it's hot and the sun's bearing down, it's nice to go to the pool. But what most of us mean when we say it's nice to go to the pool, we mean it's nice to get in the pool. Because sitting beside the pool offers no comfort at all. Right? Because that concrete around the pool is usually hotter than anywhere else and the sun's bearing down. And now you're sweating right by the pool, uh, but at least you're at the pool. No, the, the trick about the pool is to get in the pool. It's the same way it is with Jesus. It's nice to come and sit around the edge and be close to Jesus, but that has nothing compared to being in Jesus. To be in Him, which means to not have a righteousness of my own, that comes from the law, but having a righteousness that is through faith, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. See, I, I can struggle through the things of life of trying to be good and earning a level of righteousness. And the best that that will accomplish for me is a full can on trash day. It's garbage. The other alternative is to have a righteousness that's not from me. It's from Jesus through me. That far surpasses the counterfeit garbage righteousness that comes from the law. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith, not by works. I don't go sell all I have and buy the kingdom. Right? See, that's where the parable breaks down. The parable is about the value of the kingdom, not how I acquire it. I acquire the kingdom because it is the free gift of God. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. 
So verse 10. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of His resurrection and participation in His sufferings. Becoming like Him in His death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Now what do you want? Well, I want a full 401k plan. I want high interest on my investments. I want safety and security, knowing that I'm going to be cared for in my old age. I want success and fame and strength and beauty. I want a new motorcycle. Who doesn't? Right? What do you want? I don't want all that other stuff. I was making that up. This is what I really want. I want to know Christ. I want to know Him. I don't want to know about Him or know of Him. I want to know Him. To know the power of His resurrection. You see, before Christ, we were dead in our sins. Trying to be good, most of us. Trying to do the right things. Trying to pick and choose and know that this is good and this is better and we'll work that out. And I know I'm struggling here, but it's all right, it's coming. And then you come to know Christ. And then you come to know Christ. And, and you realize that all of that stuff you had before, the best of it was just garbage. And the funny thing, I'm old, right? So when I was a kid, we didn't have the recycling center or the transfer station. We had the city dump. And you could go out to the city dump when you unloaded your junk, and you could pick through everybody else's junk. And a lot of times, you could make some pretty good trades on some junk. There were a lot of two-wheeled tricycles out to the dump that looked really nice. And it's amazing to me how that describes life for so many of us. We're trading one man's junk for another man's junk that's becoming a treasure of some kind. When the offer is to know Jesus. And, you know, I loved the dump when I was a kid. It was fun to go hang out there. And working at the greenhouse, Dad had me out to the dump a lot. I spent a lot of time at the dump. It was a great place. You could shoot rats with your twenty-two, or climb over the junk. But you know what the dump always had? Every time I was ever at the dump, you know what? It smells really bad. Really, really bad. And, and see, our enemy has convinced us that that smells okay. We've gotten used to it. It's not so bad. Remember, I grew up across the street from Gudenkoff Rendering Service, where the dead animals laid out in the yard. So I know smell. So the dump, it wasn't so bad compared to that. Yeah, it's bad. You just don't know, just because we're used to it. That's my point this morning. Just because we've grown used to something, and we're accustomed to it the way it is, and we like our junk doesn't mean that that's what life has to offer for us. 
What we have is the opportunity to know Christ and the power of His resurrection. And I'll confess, when you start to understand the power of the resurrection, the smell of the trash gets pretty bad. And the participation in the sufferings from that. Becoming like Him in His death so that we can somehow attain to the resurrection from the dead, which is what's offered to us. And again, the... Satan comes along, the great marketing scheme, and says, yes, someday you'll get to participate in the resurrection from the dead. And that's part of the lie, because someday is now. Being fully alive now, not just then. So, Paul is excited about this this transaction. This change that took place of how he left behind all of the garbage that he had and now has acquired the kingdom of heaven. This field of great worth where he knows Jesus and he knows the resurrection. He knows some suffering, but he has hope for the future. He's a whole new creation. And... I don't know if you read it through here, but like the parable said, in his joy, man sold all he had and bought the field. That's what Paul's saying here. The stuff I used to have, the stuff I used to value, the stuff I used to think was so critical to life that I would go out and arrest, attack, and kill Christians. That's just garbage to me now compared to knowing Jesus. And... So that's where I'm at today. How do you value knowing Jesus? Where does that rank in your evaluation system? The appraisal system that you use on the treasures of life. What value do you put on it? Now... No condemnation here. I used to sell uh, fine antiques, or junk as most of us call it. Somebody else has an old antique furniture thing that they're ready to throw out because they're tired of it. Somebody else comes along and says, ooh, look at that treasure. Right? You've all been there. Go to the flea market and see all the stuff they're selling from your childhood that you threw to the city dump, and now they're selling it for $500 at the flea market. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And and what is something worth to you? Well, it's worth what you'll pay for it. And what's the kingdom of heaven worth? Well, see, here's the rub. You don't get to buy the kingdom of heaven. You don't get to pay for it. You can't earn it, acquire it, barter it out. Make a good trade? That's none of the options. The the trade that you have to give is to let go of all of the things that you value so much so that you can grab on to Jesus. And what do you use to appraise life compared to Jesus? Jesus. 
So there's this show on PBS called Antique Roadshow, I think. And somebody will bring something in they found in the attic or something. And sometimes they'll say, yeah, that's nice. It's worth a dollar. And sometimes they'll say, ooh, this was made by this guy that lived back here. And they know the whole history of it and all that kind of stuff. And they say, that, that's worth $40,000. And the people go, oh, I had no idea. If you could go home this morning from church saying, I had no idea. That would be a wonderful moment. That's what you have this morning, the option. You want behind what's behind what's door A or behind what's behind door number B? Which door do you want to open? Let's make a deal. And and I cannot change your appraisal system. And I don't even know that you can, to be honest. But I know someone who can. That can change you from the inside out. To open the eyes of your heart. To expose you to faith. So that you can take the step and say, no, I want Jesus. I want to know Jesus. And everything else will become garbage to you. Could you imagine... How you could live if the things that you treasure so much today, the things that you lose sleep over, right? The things that you work hard to protect and secure, the things that you work hard to maintain and keep going. If those things all got picked up on trash day and you were happy about it, how big of a change would that be in life? You know what that looks like to me? freedom that's what it looks like do you know the the bible speaks real negatively about worry you know it's not that's not a trait a desired trait worry neither is stress or anxiety or depression or fear what do we have stress and worry and anxiety and depression and fear about losing things that we treasure You want to live a stress-free life? Let the trash man take out the trash. And hang on to Jesus. To know him more. Look, I can't convince you. I can't make the argument strong enough. I wish everyone this morning could give up, stand up and give a testimony to you. What's the kingdom of heaven worth to you? What's it worth? There's no words. Everything else in life will pass away. The kingdom of heaven will not. It is a great treasure. Worth more than anything. Worth more than everything you have combined. And the deal is, you get to get rid of all of the garbage of life... And in great joy, step into the kingdom of heaven, which is now. Now. It's true. This is true truth, what I'm telling you this morning. 
The kingdom of heaven is available to you now. All the things in life that keep you in bondage, you can let go of them and let the trash man deal with it. This is the truth. I know for, for many of you this morning, it does not feel true and it doesn't sound true. I get that. I get that. Satan be worth, wouldn't be worth his salt if he couldn't make a convincing lie. But that's all it is, is a convincing lie, an argument. The truth is this. I want to know Christ and participate in the resurrection and his sufferings. I want to be like him. I want to live like Jesus did, letting Jesus live through me. I want that more than I want anything else. I want that more than I want everything else. And I want that for you. Many of you want that too. Some of you really think it's a great idea and you can't wait. Today's the day. It's yours. It's available. Now, if you think I'm telling you that as soon as you come to Jesus, all of life's troubles are gone, you should read your Bibles to get the fine print. That's why Paul includes the suffering. Did, did the Apostle Paul suffer? Yeah, he suffered a lot. And he still took that over what he had before. How do you value the kingdom? How, you do, value, how do you value your relationship with Jesus? And that's the question I leave you with this morning. That when your eyes are opened... And you see that what you're carrying around in your beloved possessions are really just garbage. And you can let those go. And have an open hand to grab onto Jesus. Oh baby, what a ride. You will love it. It's a good trade. It will be with great joy that you make this exchange. So pray with me. Father, I, I don't know how things work mostly. One of the things I don't know is how people change their hearts or change their minds. I don't know how I do it. I, I'm clueless about that. But what I believe, God, is that you are the one who changes people's hearts. That you are the one who opens our eyes. That lets us see. So that's my prayer this morning. Open the eyes of our heart. Holy Spirit, reveal the mysteries of the kingdom to us. Let us change the way we value things and see them as they really are. That we would know the truth. Because the truth will set us free. So Jesus, it is by the power of your name that we drive out our enemy with his accusations and his deceptions, with his condemnation, with his lies. We drive that out in your name, Jesus. And instead, we invite the Holy Spirit to come in with truth, to turn on the light in our hearts and minds, that the truth would set us free, that we would know you for who you really are, Jesus. 
Jesus, I pray for all of us on this journey that we would be drawn closer to you, that we would know you more. We would have an intimate relationship with you, Jesus. So it is the desire of our heart to have you, Jesus. We want to know you. Reveal yourself to us. Just a little glimmer is all it takes to get us moving. Draw us near, Jesus. Draw us near. We pray it in your name. Amen.